Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. Isn't it great to see what our church is doing? Because we don't know what's happening on a Friday night with our youth, but I can rest assured with you that there is great things happening in this place. Um, It is an exciting place to be. I'm going to do like kind of a, a mini preach, which is impossible for a preacher. Absolutely impossible. Let's see how we go. Sometimes it's nice to just breathe, isn't it? Sometimes it's nice to breathe and engage in what we're doing. I can preach to you any day. But you know, these people up here just, they represent the church community. When we talked about 28 connection points, Christelle oversees about 50 people from young adults connect groups through to mums, through to Stewie Anderson, who's been faithfully meeting with the same four guys for about four years. Guys who have done it tough. Yet they turn up to Stewie's connect group. He loves them up. He prays to them. He gives them a coffee and a biscuit. And they know that they're loved. I'm going to kind of not go on anything to do with this. Sorry about the scriptures that I gave you, Aiden. I will say this though. King Solomon in the book of Proverbs had a scripture and he said, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And then it said, though it may cost you all you have, get understanding. He said, cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honour you. The thing about advice is that you will get plenty of it over your life. Some of it you'll ask for and some of it will just be given to you. The wisdom comes in knowing when to ask, who to ask, why you're asking. And maybe the most important part about wisdom is is what to do with the wisdom you received. I kind of had a title of the message, but it really doesn't matter. But I was, I was focusing on how, what, and why. And these three words were, were constantly on my mind as, as Morella and I stepped into the role as pastors. I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor. And I've got to admit that as I stepped into the role, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Many will say I still don't. I wasn't really sure of how to do it. Yet for some reason, I had a peace in my heart about the why. So Morella and I decided to put into action what King Solomon said. And the day after we got prayed in for in, in 2016 to lead this church, I was driving past a field back to the airport. And I was nervous and he doesn't do small talk and I'm kind of like not knowing what to say and hoping I don't crash the car and all of those sort of things. 
And I was going down Macquarie Street and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to put into action what King Solomon says, get wisdom. So I said, Pastor Phil, can I ask you any words of wisdom that you can give me about pastoring a church? Really dumb question, isn't it? When you're like got 20 minutes to the airport. Without hesitation, he punched me on the shoulder, which he has a tendency to do in a good way. And he said this to me, water what you want to grow. And then he said nothing. So me being the uh, studious person as I am, thought to myself, what the heck are you talking about? T.D. Jakes says it this way, choose to pour water onto what is alive, divine and has a chance to grow and stop wasting it by watering concrete. See, what Pastor Phil said to me as I drove past 85 Macquarie Street was about there. It wasn't the bolt of lightning that I was expecting, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. You see, because every person standing up here, and that was not an exclusive or an exhaustive list of of everything that we do. It's all we could fit on the stage, to be honest. But we don't just do them because they're things to do and they make us look good and we and we you know we get our name out in lights. You see, on the other end of every every discipleship call that the growth path make, on the end of every message is preached, on the other end of every playgroup uh, day that we run or every song that is sung or, or every youth group night that is held every event that we host is someone who is on a faith journey. Every one of those people do that because there is people on the other end of it. So when Pastor Phil said, water what you want to grow, it came to us is what we want to grow is people. I'm going to touch on it briefly, really quickly. There's a passage in Luke chapter 15, and I preached on this during our Vision Builders uh, month earlier. And if you're a guest here today, um, it'll be the first time you've heard it. But, but the thing is, it's okay to preach on, this, on the same passage a few times. Because when I get into the Scriptures each and every morning, I actually pray, God, give me a new revelation. Allow me to see something that I didn't see the other time I read this. Because I know I go back through my messages and I preach something. I'm like, ah, I just didn't quite get that. And there's something in this passage that just stood out to me as I've been looking through it. And it is around the word celebrating. Celebrating. You see, Luke 15 starts and we we hear that giving some context to it, because I'm not going to be able to read it all, that Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of people. Tax collectors, notorious sinners, or as a message translation puts it, men and women of doubtful reputation. 
You know, it's not surprising to me that Jesus is surrounded by people, men and women of doubtful reputation. It's not surprising to me that Jesus is surrounded by sinners. Because my take on humanity is that ultimately all people are attracted to a message of hope. And so when Jesus came, Jesus was a message of hope. Let me give you a little uh, take here. You are the message of hope going forward. People will be attracted to you when you deliver the message of hope. You will be attractive to notorious sinners. You will be attracted to those who don't have any hope. We also hear in this passage that as was common practice, we read that the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the teachers of the law were also always part of the crowd. It says they weren't happy. In fact, verse two or three says they were not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. There will be people who will look at you and go, they're associating with the sinners. I say, thank you, Jesus. There will be people who say, well, they're hanging around and they're, they're doing things with, with those people and they don't go to church. I say, thank you, Jesus. Because that's the example He set for us. Is that we are to be the message of hope to those who have no hope. It's at this point though, Verse 4, that Jesus says this, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? The very thought of leaving what seems secure and comfortable is so countercultural to the way we live. In fact, a shepherd leaving 99 sheep out in an open paddock to go after one is just plain dumb. A shepherd at the time in the Middle Eastern area, they had to protect them from drinking out of tainted brackish water. There was no fences around them. There was, there was predators as in wolves and so forth. So to leave 99, when it says leaves them out, the translation says it leaves them out in the wilderness. It doesn't say he left 99 in a little pen all locked up, ready to go. He left them in the wilderness in order to go after the one. It doesn't make sense. I'm no shepherd though. So I looked up the job description for a shepherd. There is one. The US Department of Labor has a job description. And it says this, a shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of the flock. And the definition of a flock is a number of animals of one kind, especially sheep, goats or whatever, that are herded together. A few weeks ago, I was having lunch with another pastor and I was sharing about us going to two services. And they innocently said, why don't you just keep your congregation together and put out more chairs? And practically that makes sense. But as a leadership team, we have recognised that regardless of how good our connection points are, how good our growth path is, how good is our welcome team, people will get disconnected and go missing. And so we have made the decision as a leadership team to proactively search for the one. I've learned quickly that when your mission is people, 
there is a very real cost. And Morella and I, as we celebrate with our teams, are also very aware that there's a very real cost for our teams. Each person, as I said, it's not an exhaustive list that stood up here are celebrating some key milestones that happened in the church, but through the year that they have had some real cost. There is a cost in setting up a location in the Huon Valley. There is a cost in running a connection point in your house. There is a cost in coming in every Friday night and and looking after 40 youth. There is a cost to get here early and stand on the door and say welcome when you've had a rubbish week. There's a cost to financially giving. There's a cost to giving and standing behind and selling coffee when all you want to do is have a conversation with somebody else. And the devil will use that cost to attack your mind and say, this is countercultural. Just stay with the flock. Just look after the flock. It's easier. Just rock on in. You see, we don't know how far the shepherd walked. We don't know how long he was out in the blazing sun for. We don't know how many moments of doubt that he faced while he was looking for this one sheep. The Scripture does not say that he saw the sheep over in the wander, so he went that way looking for him. He said that the sheep was lost. And I believe God is intentional in not telling us how far the sheep was because our minds calculate what effort is needed. And then what we do is we make a judgment call is that we go, well, well, I'm going to actually calculate how much time that's going to take for me and what is the cost going to be. Oh, no, that's too much. It says the shepherd left the 99 and went for the one. It's part of my role as a, as a critical care paramedic. I've spent countless hours as part of a team searching for lost people. And please don't pat me on the back as some sort of Messiah because I was getting paid to do it. And to be totally honest, I whinged and complained the whole time. In fact, we had what was called a ceased, a ceased to search protocol. And as a clinical director, I had the rights to be able to cease to search for somebody. And often you'd be in a team and it would start getting a little bit uncomfortable and you're getting hot and we're in the the deserts of the Middle East and you've got no idea where they are and you're looking at your team and you're thinking to yourself, man, it would be so easy just to press the button and say, cease to search. The challenge in ministry is that sometimes we can have our finger on the cease to search button because going after people is inconvenient. Going after people and giving them a text and getting no response back is deflating. But truthfully, it is this very next section of text that both inspires and challenges me to the very core. And whenever I question why I do what I do, it is that God reminds me of these two verses. Verse 5, it says this, And when, doesn't say if, says, and when he has found it, he will joyfully, some, some of the texts will say, he will celebrate 
by carrying it home on his shoulders. In my same study, a Middle Eastern sheep is on average about 62 kilos. So here is a shepherd who has searched for however long for the one that is missing when he could have stayed with the 99. When he finds it, he doesn't berate them. He doesn't judge them. He doesn't say, you stupid sheep. What he does is he says he celebrates, he is joyful and he puts it on his shoulders. Why? Because he realises the sheep has already suffered. Church, there are many in our community that are suffering. Christmas is somewhat the best time of the year and somewhat the worst. Because it's a very reflective time and there are people out there who are suffering. And I believe that God has given us the task to go out and share the good news with the ones that are lost. And when we find them, it's not to tell them everything they did wrong. It's not to condemn and to judge them. You bad sheep for running away. It says that the shepherd, after searching, celebrates, puts 60 kilos on his shoulders and carries it all the way home. You see, that inspires me. Because I believe that that is a blueprint of why we do what we do and how we should do it. Why we do it is for the lost one. Why we do it is because every person matters. How we do it is with celebration. How we do it is with joy. How we do it is by not condemning and judging, but celebrating in their miracle moment. If you ever ask someone who's out there who's lost and lonely how they're doing, they're lost and lonely. They might be on top of the world in business. They might have everything going on the outside. But unless they have the hope of Jesus Christ on the inside, they're lost. And figuratively speaking, what they want from us is not to give them rules and regulations like the religious leaders will do, but to put them on our shoulders and say, we will celebrate your journey with you. We will celebrate with you. You see, God's love is such a mystery that He would actually value the person that is alone, suffering, just disenchanted, broken and confused. I actually use this word, it's maybe not a common word to use with it, but I believe that His love for us was this irrational generosity. The reason I'm both inspired and challenged by this passage is because in the eyes of the world, it is illogical to do what we do. 
In the eyes of the world, it is illogical to open up your home and run a connection point every week. In the eyes of the world, it's not how things we not how we do things. Here's the thing, the Hebrew word for lost is a word called abad, which means to wander off, but it also means to be destroyed or to perish. See, the celebration of the shepherd was not just because he happened upon his lost sheep. It was because his lost sheep was restored to life. How do we know? Because in the very next verse, when that shepherd gets home with his lost sheep, he says, celebrate with me. He didn't put out a WhatsApp messenger or a Facebook messenger and say, hey, there's a party at my place at five o'clock, bring a casserole, it's all gonna be good. He traversed the countryside, went to his neighbours and his friends and he invited them to celebrate. Why? Because one sheep was returned. One sheep was restored to life. Samuel Duth says, we are never more like the shepherd Jesus than when we choose to love the one. To irrationally love the one. Even when they don't deserve it. Even when it costs you financially. Even when you don't want to serve. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to finish up. Did you have a power in the name of Jesus? Did you have that? Praise the name. Yep. I said a few weeks back as I was preaching that I want you to imagine a church that actually cares for each other's burdens. I said it's not with an emoji with praying hands praying for you. But it's an attitude that says, you hurt, I hurt with you. That says, when you're tired, I hold up your arms. Says that when you're in pain, I'm in pain with you. Beck, I'm in pain with you today. I'm in pain with your family today. We're standing with you, we're holding up your arms at a time when you can't do it yourself. And we will pray with you if it costs us whatever it takes. Because there is a love for one. It says that we will celebrate a job promotion with others. How many of us have celebrated when someone else has got a job promotion? Or on the inside have we thought, man, I'm not getting one. An attitude that says, I'm prepared to actually walk alongside you no matter what it takes, even if it costs me a whole day out of my week. What we celebrate here is people because what is important to us is people. Why we do it is because people matter. And how we do it is that we celebrate and we love them.
Bless you guys. Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.